Hello and welcome to Tubonga Tax, the show that provides you with all the information that you need to stay informed. I am your host, Alan Madoka. In today's episode, we will clarify emerging issues on the Tax Invoice Management System, TIMS, implementation. And today, I'm glad to be joined by Andrew Momanyi. Andrew is from the Domestic Taxes Department, which is, of course, part of the Kenya Revenue Authority. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrew. Pleasure is all mine. Andrew, as we dive straight into it, what are the repercussions of non-compliance with the VAT electronic tax invoice regulations of 2020? The repercussions can actually be broken down into two parts. The first part is where uh, you fail to comply with what has been prescribed in the regulations. And the second part is actually where you tamper or manipulate or interfere with the proper functioning of these uh, ETRs. So the penalty is actually covered under Section 63 of the VAT Act, which comprises of a fine not exceeding 1 million shillings or imprisonment of three years or both. What do we expect post-rollout of the tax invoice management system, also known as TIMS? We've actually communicated to the general public through public notices uh, on 5th of July and 19th of July, where we've actually covered that we are expecting to actually roll out the auto-populated VAT return. This is basically a simplification of the VAT filing process, but this uh, will be communicated on the exact uh, date when it will commence but the solution is already ready. The second thing is about input tax claims where for those who will be claiming input tax for sales relating to from 1st of August or from the date of implementation, then we'll only be allowing input tax claims from TIMS compliant invoices. But for those invoices that were relating to the previous uh, regime or prior to you coming on board this tax invoice management system, you'll be allowed the provision of six months, which is allowed by the law from the date of the invoice. The third thing that we expect from uh, this implementation is about uh, credit notes. And uh, implementation of the credit notes actually uh, involves referencing the original invoice that was generated from the system. So a question would be, what happens to invoices that were generated prior to you coming on board this system? Those invoices uh, will still be valid. You'll still be able to generate credit notes, only that you'll be able to do it formally how you are doing it uh, within uh, the principles of the law. The fourth thing is about refunds and refunds for any invoices submitted for refund claims uh, from the 1st of August 2022 will only be allowed for teams compliant invoices. So for the first three about uh, input tax claims, credit notes and VAT refunds, uh, you can refer to the public notice issued on 5th and also on 19th of July 2022. Thank you so much for that clarification, Andrew. Now, as we are delving deeper into this teams and uh, compliance, I think there's a question that has emerged and is out there in the ether. When should a tax invoice be generated? Is it upon the payment or delivery of goods or performance of service? 
This is a very common question that keeps cropping up because of how our business operations operate. You realize that uh, there are different modes of how uh, business operations operate depending on ease of uh, the business and also uh, deliberations between the seller and the buyer. But the VAT Act 2013 under Section 12 clarifies that uh, there's what we call time of supply of goods or services. It's basically giving us the tax point of when we should be able to account for VAT. And it clarifies that it's based on the earlier of any of these activities. One of them is the date which the goods are delivered or the services performed. The second thing is where a certificate has been issued, this is basically in this construction uh, industry. Uh, certificate can be issued by the architect or surveyor or consultant. The third thing is you can generally issue an invoice. And then the fourth thing is where you receive a payment. It could be in whole or in part. So any of the earlier of those activities is what is known as a tax point, And that's at the point that you need to issue a tax invoice. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that for the taxpayers out there. Now... As we move on, how are goods or services that are exempt, zero-rated or special rate handled under the TIMS system? What happens with uh, goods which are exempt, zero-rate or other rate? These are items which are covered under the first and second schedule of the VAT Act. So what TIMS has done is actually uh, deployed uh, what we call an item code, which is basically the summary of all those goods and services that are covered in the first and second schedule and are identifying or inputting uh, a code, a specific code for each uh, of the items listed there. And this code is embedded in these tax registers. And uh, what happens is that when you are undertaking a sale of uh, any of the items which is not considered general rate, then you will need to actually reference a code so that uh, the appropriate uh, tax rate can be applied to that good or service. In this process, uh, the three categories are actually covered in the tax registers and it will only be applicable at the point of uh, issuing an invoice by referencing on the specific code. And this is done at the point of configuration of the machine where you just need to indicate to the supplier that the categories of goods that you're dealing in for purposes of referencing that tax rate. Wow quite an intelligent system. Now, Andrew, another question is, how does TIMS treat installment payment plans and higher purchase sales? Uh, that's a good question. You realize that with goods uh, under higher purchase, we have two categories. We have those ones uh, that uh, undertake the higher purchase, and we also have another system that has come up, which we call Lipa Pole Pole, where somebody can pay for their goods uh, in various installments. And in such scenarios, uh, such goods or services are usually treated as successfully supplied for the successive parts of the period. What we mean is that every time that you're undertaking that payment or you're getting an invoice, it is assumed like it's a new supply where you're required to actually account for it. Assuming that an example would be you bought something for maybe 50,000, you're supposed to pay in five months, 10,000 each. Then every time you're paying the 10,000, then that is treated as a new supply and you get an invoice of that 10,000. And uh, at the end of it all, then it will uh, the VAT will be accounted at the entire period. And in case there is a default, then there's mechanisms to actually reverse the whole uh, process within the principles of the law. Now, I have another tricky question for you, and uh, we know everyone loves a discount. What happens if traders offer discounts or rebates during the sales? 
Yes, we all love discounts. I also love discounts. And you realize that uh, uh, discounts can be of two types. There are discounts which are offered on the spot uh, at the time when you're making the purchase. And for traders, there are other trade discounts or uh, bulk discounts which are issued at the attainment of a certain target. So basically for discounts and rebates, what happens is that uh, you first have to identify the consideration of supply. This is uh, what are you expecting or what is the consideration you're receiving for this good or service that you're offering and then from that is where now that amount you actually reduce the discounts or rebates uh, that have been allowed and accounted for at the time of supply so for example the spot discount uh, you can be buy something at 100 shillings and you're given 10 percent so 10% uh, will be deducted from the 100 shillings to make sure that the taxable value is 90 and then VAT will be charged on it. The other scenarios where you can be told uh, get to 1,000 units and then you get a discount of 10%. Then for you to get to 1,000 units, it means you might be having maybe 10 invoices. And with these 10 invoices are the ones that uh, you'll actually account that discount uh, back, uh, referencing the original invoices that you had issued. Now, Andrew, another tricky question for you. How will the system cater for credit and debit notes? This is actually uh, one of the enhancements that the populace or our VAT registered uh, taxpayers actually uh, required it to be automated. And we've actually captured it in uh, this implementation by allowing uh, the generation of either a credit or a debit note for purposes of uh, correcting or uh, altering the invoices that have already been issued and validated and uh, transmitted to carry. What just one needs to do is that um, through the system, once you've generated an invoice and it has been transmitted to KRA, then you can be able to actually um, alter that invoice through a credit note or a debit note, depending on uh, a credit is actually to reduce uh, the taxable value and a debit note is actually to increase. So you can be able to do that by referencing the original invoice number because all these invoices have unique numbers which will be used by KRA and the general public in identifying the specific invoices. Now, some traders may want to make their life a bit simpler and they maybe want to consolidate all their sales in one invoice at the end of the day rather than having, you know, tens of, if not hundreds of invoices. Can a trader do that? Uh, the answer is no, uh, because the law provides under Section 42 of the VAT Act that uh, a registered VAT uh, person when they make a taxable supply, they're actually supposed to furnish uh, the customer with a tax invoice, whether the customer has asked for it or requested, but it's mandatory for you as a registered person to actually issue every uh, customer with a tax invoice at the point of sale. So it's, um, it's not allowed to actually bulk them or consolidate them at the end of uh, periodically or, the, or at the end of the day, as majority would do. Maybe another question that may come up, Andrew, is does the VAT electronic tax invoice regulations of 2020 limit what the traders can capture in a tax invoice? Uh, not really. Uh, what we have done is that we've brought about standardization in uh, how invoices are being generated or issued by making sure that all the features that are required or mandatory to be in an invoice are already captured in an invoice. So meaning that uh, we will not dictate to the traders of how what size the invoice should be, what font they should use, but 
the features that are contained in the invoices are what is key and is provided for under regulation 9 of the VAT electronic tax invoice regulations and the suppliers of these machines or ETRs will be able to actually configure the invoices and in case somebody wants to capture any additional details for their reference uh, for example you realize that in the retail stores you'll have loyalty points in other scenarios you'll have disbursements in other scenarios you'll have so many other details that the traders would want to capture in their invoice then what will happen is that the invoice is divided into two parts. There is a physical part, which is now the mandatory uh, things that are captured in the invoice. And then there's a non-fiscal part where the traders can capture any other additional information that is relevant to them in the course of their business. So they'll just have to make sure that all the other relevant details they would want from uh, the invoice, which can be added, they'll be added under the non-fiscal part, which will not form part of what will be transmitted to carry. I know I'm throwing uh, tough questions at you, but I, I think this is this is important for the taxpayers out there and especially clarifying all these teams' issues. Kenya is a regional hub, and of course, uh, as with any country, we deal with a lot of foreign currency. Now, Andrew, when a company is dealing in foreign currency, how do you deal with such during invoicing? Uh, you realize that... Uh in Kenya, you are allowed, you can be able to trade using foreign currency. But when you're keeping your uh, record keeping or bookkeeping, then uh, the law requires you to actually keep them in Kenya shillings. And uh, that is actually covered under Section 23 of the Tax Procedures Act 2015. And what happens is that you will need to actually, before you generate an invoice, you will need to actually convert uh, whatever currency you're trading in into Kenya shillings. And this is not done probably at the end when you're trying to file your returns or when you're, it's supposed to be done at the point or at the time of supply which we had covered under the tax point. So what you realize is that um, the unit of uh, measure that you'll use or the rate you'll use at that particular point of conversion is actually the CBK uh, mean rate for the day. For example, if you're transacting today in dollars, then you'll need to look at what is the rate, uh, mean rate uh, from the CBK, so that you'll use to convert into Kenya shillings, and then you'll be able to actually generate your invoices in Kenya shillings. A question would be maybe what happens over the weekend or during the holidays, uh, public holidays. So if it's a public holiday, you'll use the previous day's rate, and uh, if it's a weekend, you'll use the Friday rate. Wow. <laughs> concise and to the point but a very very insightful and very very clear thank you so much for that explanation andrew and uh, as the teams uh, is being rolled out and is being implemented countrywide maybe uh, before i let you go is anything you would want to uh, encourage our traders and taxpayers uh, to do uh, as they as they move forward Yes, we would encourage those who are yet to get on board, kindly contact your suppliers to be able to actually do that before the deadline of 31st of July uh, 2022 so that you can be able to actually comply with what the regulations is and also enjoy the benefits that we are rolling out with this new system to simplify the tax. Thank you so much for joining us today on Tubonge Tax, Andrew. And I think uh, as the team system rolls out, if there are any other clarifications, we'll definitely have you back to expand on that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I really appreciate to be here to clarify these issues and also to uh, inform our VAT registered taxpayers of uh, the issues that have been raised. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tubonga Tax. I've been your host, Alan Madoka. Ah.
Have you upgraded your ETR to a TIMS device? If not, kindly check our website at www.kra.go.ke for registered suppliers and upgrade today. If you have any other TIMS queries, contact the team at timsupport at kra.go.ke. That is T-I-M-S-U-P-P-O-R-T at kra.go.ke. If you have any other tax-related queries, get in touch with our call center at 0711-099-999. That is 0711-099-999. Again, thank you for listening to Tubonga Tax. And until next time, goodbye.